Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm your host, Dave Mastovich. Our guest today is Susie Teal. But first, let's hit the bullseye. Have you heard of Chubby's Radical Shorts for the Radical Man? Talk about hit the bullseye targeting. The company's manifesto says they exist to bring you the best weekend clothing that has ever been conceived and tells the backstory of how four guys started the company on two fundamental premises. First, that pants are for work. And second, the state of today's shortswear is dire. Cargos, capris, men everywhere hiding their legs. They committed to one big idea, making shorts over 100 different designs, including, quote, the all days, the cackmeisters, and my favorite, the sleeping ins. Chubbies also clearly defined their target market as irreverent dudes or guys who wish they were irreverent or just guys that don't really want to shop but also don't want to look too stupid or wear uncomfortable pants. The company leverages memorable messaging like don't ever go into a store to buy shorts, plain and simple, and creative promotions like their Thyber Monday sale. And Chubby's committed to Snapchat as a major social media platform to generate a buzz and to build a base of loyal followers they describe as Chubster Nation. Chubby's focuses on casual shorts for dudes and they hit the bullseye. The NoBS show is brought to you by audible.com. And get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nobs. Try a book like The Creator's Code, The Six Essential Skills of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs by Amy Wilkinson. And we have an extraordinary entrepreneur here today, Susie Till. So get that book and also hear more about Susie. You can download it for free today. Go to audibletrial.com slash nobs. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nobs for your free audiobook. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Our guest today is Susie Till, founder and owner of Acida, which helps companies gain a competitive edge, acquire customers, grow sales, build teams, and become market leaders through the rapid development and implementation of successful people, product, marketing, sales, and business development strategies. Susie has spent her career helping companies grow profitably to become market leaders. She's an active advisor and mentor to the Pittsburgh community, especially to startups and women-owned businesses, and she teaches courses on digital marketing strategy and entrepreneurship for various organizations. Susie, welcome to part two of the No BS Marketing Show. Thank you, Dave. What do you think about that Chubby's uh, hit the bullseye targeting? Oh, I thought it was amazing. I spend a lot of time, as you mentioned, I do uh, teaching and I teach non-marketing people basics of marketing, uh, typically CXOs, right, um, who are going through entrepreneur programs. And I try to really help them understand the importance of branding and positioning, which is really the essence of everything that has to do with marketing, right? And it's amazing how... Little people understand it, but when they hear something like chubbies, they it resonates with them and they get that emotional attachment and um, they don't realize how hard it is to do. Exactly. <laughs> and, and why marketing as a discipline is probably, in my estimation, and I know I'm a little biased, but it's probably the hardest discipline in business uh, because you're trying to convince human beings to do things. <laughs> and, I agree. I agree. It's uh, it's something that I'm passionate about and I love and I'm glad I'm in, but I do think that it's the uh, 
most challenging discipline because it's misperceived by just about everybody. Yes. Even a lot of people that do it. That's why the show is no bullshit marketing because there's so (laughs) many people that do bullshit marketing. Right. And then the C-suite, the CFO often looks at us like we're from Mars. Exactly. Uh, Operations fights us because we're trying to come back and say, no, no, change this because that's what the customer wants. And they're like, I already had it going my way. Right. So it gets crazy. But Susie, I want to just touch a little bit on the first episode so people uh, can hear again the background. Started out at IUP. Very quickly saw that uh, technology could make an impact, and you loved your IUP experience. You got a job at Mellon Bank, very established, strong financial institution, spent four years there, made a leap to Legion, a technology company where you had an eight-year stint where I think you said 11 jobs, five CEOs. You did everything. It was like a triple MBA, if you will. And then you took a even bolder leap into a VP of HR position. And then you started your own company to achieve more balance for you and your husband and your six kids. So just touch a little bit more about the leap from Legion where you had all that great experience and you left technology and marketing sort of to go into the HR discipline. Yes. So that was at the request. I was at Legion still, and that was at the request of the CEO. The company was going through a transition, unbeknownst to me. It was in the process of being acquired. It was a public company, so there were very few people that knew that that was happening. And the CEO asked me to be the VP of HR, probably because of the reputation that I had. I had been at the company for seven years and was a a respected senior person in the organization. Uh, But it sort of hit me like right out of the blue. It was completely unexpected. And, you know, when, like I said, when the CEO calls you, it's hard to tell them no, right? And so I said yes. And so I made a transition into a role that I had never planned to do. Um, Didn't know much about about it from a discipline standpoint, although, you know, it had managed people for quite some time. So in terms of recruiting and retention and different HR related policies, had a lot of experience doing that, but never running that function. So it was a real surprise for that to happen. Um, but what it did was it really gave me that grounding and that basis for being able to recognize the importance of talent in an organization and what are some of the other um, things that I should think about as a senior executive in my company that are related, not just to the commercialization and sales of your product, but how you attract and retain talent at your organization. Mm -hmm. And for me and in my career, those two have been interchanged, especially when you're in a technology company, your factory is your people. They create the product, right? And so you have to be able to have policies um, and and working environment that inspires them uh, to be innovative and to be passionate. And that's just as important as the product that you're creating. Well, it's interesting because you had a CEO ask you to make a leap of faith to a whole new discipline, which reminds me of a story from another guest that we both know, Becky Stapleton, another proud yes. IUP grad who uh, had a similar story happen where they were doing a national search and the CEO came in and said, we want you to be the VP of marketing when she hadn't done that. So she also made the leap and we got to hear that story. So our loyal listeners might might draw that comparison to someone we both uh, yes. know and work with it, another IUP grad. So then you take the uh, starting your own company and in the first episode you told the cool story about your husband has the Harvard undergrad and grad. 
and uh, you two started uh, management consulting and a lot about growth and technology. And you were talking about how, how you had the better bargain with the IUP <laughs> grant, which I loved hearing that story. How did he respond to that? Oh, he doesn't like when I tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he, you know, very accomplished in his own right. He's a CEO of a software company here in Pittsburgh now. And, uh, but I just, I, you know, and he worked hard. He paid for himself to go through uh, college. Wow. Uh, so uh, his parents helped a little bit. Uh, he did a lot of the work himself to do that. But, you know, I just, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, you, you get out of things what you put into it, right? And that you can certainly going to an Ivy League college gives you a lot of advantages. Um, but going to a smaller school or, or a state school can also give you a lot of advantages too. And it's just knowing how to how to use those advantages, yes. which helps you be successful. Yeah, in leverage life. whatever scenario you have. Absolutely. You know, I was in the same boat as you. I, IUP was a decision economically, but it turned out to be phenomenal for me and I'm proud of it. And I had a great experience and met people that are still part of my life. Mm -hmm. And that might've happened wherever I went. It might just be in my DNA, but I give some credit to it being at IUP. So yeah, me as well. <laughs> Talk about the uh, starting the company and uh, naming the company. You mentioned a little bit about that, but talk about how you went from being in an established situation. And I recall this with mass solutions. I went from being in the C-suite at large companies to taking out the garbage, installing your own software, buying computers for other people, all that stuff. Oh, definitely. That was, uh, yes, <laughs> all of the above, Dave. <laughs> that first year was scary. It was very scary. So it, we did have an advantage um, when we started our consulting firm, Acida. My husband had a, a friendship with a guy who was acting as an executive in residence for a Philadelphia-based venture capital firm. And he, so my husband reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, we've, we got some work that we might be able to do to help your companies. And they were just as uh, getting involved with launching e-commerce companies. In fact, they launched, uh, I think it was over 30 e-commerce companies that they were launching at that time. And what their strategy was, was to create one in every major business sector. Uh, so there was one that was in retail and then there was one that was in, um, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> so it was one that was in uh, meeting planning and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we were involved with five launches. And so that was a clear example where, yes, I was, we ran it out of our home. We had a, um, a basement that we converted over to, I had, I had a four cubicles in there. It was like a small office. I was just had a big home because we had six kids. So I had a full basement. We converted that to a, a home office and I was, the HR manager. I was the IT manager. Uh, I was, you know, managing the CFO. I was managing the cash and everything yeah. else, right? I learned QuickBooks very quick. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you did so too. And we actually were able to hire a part-time bookkeeper. That was a big help at the point when there were seven of us um, that were part of the company. But we did have that advantage where we were able to leverage a relationship to get clients. And that helped us. Now, there were other clients that we had that weren't part of this Philadelphia-based VC, but we were able to make sure that we had that relationship in place. And because they were growing and they were doing so many different and successful things, we were able to take advantage of that. But it was very different. But you know what? I loved it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did love it. I, and I do love it. I love it today, right? So. so I don't know if you get a high from this, but I get a high from figuring out those kind of solutions and sometimes my team will say, well, why are you spending time on this? And they're probably right a lot of the time, but 
just finding the solutions for the little problems that crop up. While I might complain at the moment, I actually get intense satisfaction from that. I'm the same way. I'm a problem solver. That's really what uh, the core, the essence of what I do is I try to make things better. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so if I don't have something to work on, I'll find something to work on. (laughs) Even if it's uh, the best way to rearrange the trash cans to make it easier for them to be emptied, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) And there's something about the entrepreneurial spirit that I had a lot of great experiences. Every one of my experiences were great. But whenever there was, um, those bigger companies where there was the CEO and we talked a little bit in the first half, first episode about how secret meetings and you're not invited to certain meetings that goes away for the most part. Clients can mistreat you, but for the most part, I feel every day I come to work and get to be me. Whereas I almost had to be another person at some of those bigger companies. I don't know if that resonates. Absolutely. It does. I mean, and I've done all the above, right? I've been on my own. I've had my own employees. I've worked, I've had a company. I've worked for other people. They've been big, they've been small. And I think that, I think as long as I'm in an environment, no matter what size the company is, where I have that freedom to be creative and really figure out that problem, then I'm fine. Now, sometimes that's harder to find that type of a role in a larger company, but not always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's really where I find my passion is, is you got a big problem that needs solved. I'm your person, right? Hire me. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Well, you kind of touched on this. So I want to formally ask it is uh, when I read the the book, Simon Sinek, start with why I thought that is absolutely true for us as CEOs of companies where you have to ask your why or your reason for being. But I believe as marketers, we have to get our clients to also ask the second why, which is your customers, why their reason for buying. And those two answers aren't always exactly the same. So you need to crystallize those two answers into one big idea, one memorable message or theme that makes an emotional impact on those target audiences like Chubby's did. So whether it's for you personally or your your company, what's your big idea? My big idea is uh, sales and marketing is passe. It's not about sales and marketing. It's about customer acquisition and retention. And it's a continuum between sales and marketing. So often I go into companies or I work with companies where they treat sales and marketing as discrete entities. And that makes no sense whatsoever because it's not discrete to the customer. The customer goes on the journey from first hearing about your organization to being interested in your organization to establishing a a partnership with your organization and hopefully remaining a loyal customer. And so many companies don't look at that journey. Um, They break it up into pieces and they give it different uh, pieces of ownership to different areas. And the customer has a very, could have a very disjointed experience as a result of that. And so my, where I really focus is really the blending of marketing and sales. There are different jobs and roles within those organizations by all means. And a marketing Uh person isn't necessarily the best salesperson Uh or vice versa, but having someone running at a senior level that understands that customer buying journey and understands the continuity that exists is going to help that company be much more successful than the VP of sales competing with the VP of marketing all the time. I agree with that. And it's interesting because it would sound like I'm contradicting myself, but when I'm dealing with smaller clients that uh, maybe are B2B, they often call it sales and marketing and it's just a sales team. So with them, I try to explain to them there's two separate yet equally important groups, 
sales team, marketing team, but I've always preached that they have to be led by a chief marketing officer who, even if you're a small company, you have to put someone in that role that has done both and understands both and is passionate about both. Because if you don't, you either have the two banging heads or you have a completely biased person, typically from sales because they're able to prove their worth easier from a ROI standpoint. So when I'm with a company at $50 million or less in sales, they often call it sales and marketing, and I have to correct them and say, no, you're calling sales, sales and marketing. You're not doing any marketing. But I totally agree with you on the once the company reaches that critical mass, they have to have the leader that blends those two. Yeah, absolutely. Your experiences is very much similar to mine. And, and, I, and I teach about that in the classes that I do. And I always point out that marketing, for the most part, is reaching many people and it's a strategic long-term activity. And sales is a one-on-one type of relationship and it's a short-term and it's it's very focused on production. And as you mentioned, very often there'll be a VP of marketing and sales who's just really a sales manager and they don't do any of the focus on the strategic part. And so they find themselves in situations very often where they don't have any leads. They don't have anybody to call because they haven't made the investment in marketing and building the brand in building a customer database in building a prospect base so that sales always has something to do. I think the wise people have learned over time that marketing really drives sales and it has to drive sales because if you can create a marketing environment where every morning when your salesperson works, wakes up, they have five people to call or they've got, you know, 20 people to call or they've got 15 internet requests or or whatever your sales methodology is, marketing's job is to make sure that that salesperson's busy. That's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. And so you can't do that if all you're doing is focusing on sales, right? Because nobody's focusing on making that salesperson busy. And that's what marketing does. And so many people don't understand that. They just really don't understand that. They think they can throw a phone book at, you know, the proverbial phone book or the Google search to a salesperson and they'll be successful. That's a really hard way for somebody to be successful. Agree. And what it does is it burns people out because then sales, which is a noble profession, doesn't get uh, to be a noble profession because exactly. it's not done the right way. So the salesperson fails more often. You're already going to fail a lot. It's like baseball when you're in sales. If you're closing three, 300 batting average, you know, you're, you're still doing well. It's going to be even worse if it's just throwing a, a book at someone and saying, go call these hundred people. So uh, we, we share that. I love the way you put that. That's Susie Till. I'm Dave Mastovich. You're listening to the No BS Marketing Show. Susie, listeners want to know, do you have a tool, an app, blog, book, or even something that's part of your daily or weekly routine that impacts your life and might help our listeners? Oh, geez. Because I'm a technology person, I'm a big fan of technology. And I'm sure you hear this answer a million times, but it's got to be my smartphone. Um, My life is in my smartphone. I, at any point in time, I can know what's going on with my six children who live all over the world and as well as what my husband's doing and whether I need to make dinner tonight, as well as what clients I need to reach out to or what opportunities I have. And so I can't live without my smartphone. I use the Google suite of products, um, you know, Google Calendar, everything else like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of Evernote. Uh, because it's a good way for me to take notes and I don't, so I don't have to carry a notepad around. I can just take notes on my smartphone, but I would have to say that I don't know what I would do if my smartphone disappeared other than show up at the Apple store and buy a new one immediately. <laughs> exactly. I like it. I like it. 
So what I want to do now is there's a couple of different audiences that I think we have. If you drill down the audiences, when we look at our stats, we have C-suite people that often listen because they know each other or they want to hear what some of their peers say. Then we have a lot of mid-level professionals, probably in the marketing, PR, sales, communications, messaging space. And then we have young people in college or coming out of college and, of course, entrepreneurs. So what I want to reach are two of those targets, uh, the mid-level person that maybe is listening and saying, ah, yeah, they took some risk there. That's crazy. I, you know, I, I have a family. I have a mortgage. And the young person. So I want to spend time on both of those because where you bring some great advice through personal success and battling through things is taking the chance and taking the risk. So let's take that person who's in 10, 15 years into their career and they kind of do what 80% of people do. They get to that point and they're kind of like stuck because they're making enough that they, they're afraid to jump. They have all kinds of obligations. They're started their family and now they're kind of not loving their work. They're mm -hmm. not passionate. What do you say to someone like that? A volunteer. The way that I found my passion was through volunteering. Uh, the way that I discovered that I love what I call in a very broad sense economic development, which is helping companies grow, right, in the Pittsburgh region. I'm very passionate about the Pittsburgh region is that I volunteered. And so volunteering is a great way for you to explore a passion without leaving your job and realizing that it may be something that you'd like to do differently. So my advice for anybody actually is to always volunteer, find some, find the time because volunteering is networking and it's much more meaningful networking because networking, we're all standing around, you know, sharing our business cards, but volunteering is an opportunity for you to make a contribution and to be passionate about something. And the work that I've done over the past 20 years in helping women business owners, as well as startups, I realized that was my passion. That's what I like to do the best was the things that I was volunteering for. And now I'm able to turn that into a career, but I still do a lot of volunteering as well. So that's always my number one answer. Get out there. There's, I think, 150 economic development organizations in Pittsburgh. So if you're in the Pittsburgh region, you can find something to volunteer for. Excellent advice. Susie, what didn't I ask you that you thought we might discuss? Oh, wow. You asked me a real, the hardest question is at the end here, Dave. Oh, you could just say it was perfect. <laughs> if there's anything else you yeah. want to get off your chest. I think, again, I'm going to go back to that message is that marketing is actually a highly skilled, very hard job. And it's been frustrating to me that CXOs don't recognize that. And they they tend to not give it its worth or merit. I see so many people put into the job that don't have a passion for it or don't understand it. And I think if a company's lucky enough to get a smart, experienced marketing person, that can be all the difference. And I mean, you look at every successful company in the world and Apple's the classic example, like Steve Jobs was a perfect marketeer, right? And so I think when you look at companies that you admire, there was a marketing focused person that was driving the brand, driving the perception of that company that helped that company be successful. And I think that more CXOs need to treat that role just as valuable as valuably as they treat their CFO or their CTO or whatever other rules that are in there, because that rule given today's world and the ease of which messages can get to people through social media, 
your everybody's world is more competitive now and your marketing person is going to make all the difference in your business. Susie, this was awesome. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome, Dave. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for the No BS Marketing Show. Visit massolutions.biz slash bold solutions for show notes plus additional marketing and messaging resources. Sign up for light reading. You'll receive valuable strategies every week to improve your marketing and transform your message. It really is light intended to be read in two minutes or less, and it just might trigger bright ideas for you to sign up again. Visit massolutions.biz. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.